So let me pray. Father, I love you so much. I thank you so much for being our Father, our Heavenly Father, for opening up heaven to us to making heaven our inheritance, our destiny, our present reality. We thank you so much that you have made us your children. What a loving relationship that we have with you. What an investment that you've made within our lives. We thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ, who not only came and gave his life for us, but now lives with inside of us. We thank you for his Spirit living in us that witnesses, that tells us, that gives us the evidence that we are your children, your Son, that brings us into that relationship with you. And we thank you for that cry. God, we even sang about that cry within our hearts. Abba, Father. Abba, Father, I love you, and I want to love you more. I want, to, I want to love you deeper. I want to know you more. We thank you for your Spirit, the Spirit of your Son within us. And we thank you that your love is not just a feeling, but your love is an absolute commitment for our highest good. And that our highest good is that, God, we should be fully restored to who you created us to be and fully experience that in all of its wonder and its glory. And you're absolutely committed to that. You've invested in it so deeply, and you're involved in it moment by moment every day of our lives. You are a good, good Father. Far beyond our understanding, you are a good, good Father. And your love for us is great. So Lord, as I'm communicating this morning, I I pray that you would take it, Lord. I'm no expert on anything. God, all I want to do is give an opportunity so that ground can be plowed up and your Spirit can go into those places, God, and God, your Word can go into those places and that you can work within people's lives. I'm watching you do it. I'm gaining confidence that that is what you do and how we partner together. And God, I I want to bless these people, God, as your grace flows over them and your grace works within their lives. And God, as you bring about a wholeness, causing every part of their life, every part of their being to come into one glorious unity with who you are and who you you created them to be. Bring all of those random pieces of chaos together in Christ. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. All right. So, I want to get to Abraham. Today I want to get to Abraham and just talk about Abraham and his faith. But I wanted to put this up here as a picture, so just follow me as I go. So we have in Hebrews that it says, in Hebrews 1, God spoke. And God spoke, what God spoke was embodied in his Son. It's an embodied word. It's the word made flesh and living among us. God spoke through his Son. It's an embodied word. It's embodied in the man. And so, we need to hear what God has spoken to us through his Son. The first thing that we're told about is in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Now, the Scriptures goes to talk about this man, how superior he is, how, how far above in every way he is the weight of this word, the finality of this word that he's spoken. But the word that he spoke, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, it says, How shall we escape 
if we neglect so great a salvation. So it's, this word is a word, it's a message of salvation. And by salvation, we're talking about deliverance. Deliverance from the power of sin. Deliverance from the penalty of sin. Deliverance from the influence of sin. Deliverance from the power of Satan. Deliverance from the fear of death. It's a message of salvation. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? But it says that this message of salvation, and again, it's still in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, this message of salvation was the, was the message that was announced by Jesus Christ and confirmed with signs and wonders. But what was the message that Jesus announced? The message that he announced was a message regarding the kingdom. That's what he announced. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that's the message that was confirmed with signs and wonders and healings. And he sent out his twelve. They announced the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's accessible. We're talking about kingdom. We're talking about the realm in which God's power is active and His will is effective, so that what God wants, God's power works. So that when you come into the realm of God's kingdom, His power is at work to perform His will, so that your life comes into alignment with His will. And His will for you is good. His will for you is good. And within that sphere of His kingdom... Everything that is opposed to His will comes under His authority. So in that place, when Jesus announced the kingdom of heaven is at hand, you can see the effective will of God at work. Because sickness and disease is driven out. If you have any question regarding what is the will of God regarding sickness and disease, see what the will of God works when the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The demonic was driven out, so those that were demonized were set free. If you have any question, it was an announcement regarding the kingdom. An announcement regarding the kingdom. This was announced by Jesus, and it was confirmed by signs and wonders. This word that God spoke through His Son. But then we go on, and in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6, it says, it says this, For it was not to the angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. This is what we're speaking about? I thought we were speaking about salvation. But then we were speaking about the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is being at hand. But now it says we're speaking about dominion. I want you to understand this is a great salvation. This salvation is not just about forgiveness of sins. This salvation is about an absolute deliverance that brings us entrance into a kingdom under the influence of the active power and the effective will of God that works, and we're going to look at this as we go, that works a transformation within our lives preparing us for dominion. You with me? Preparing us for dominion. Now in Hebrews chapter 2, 
it goes into this, and we've already talked about it. It says, it's been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him? It says, in stature, he was made lower than the angels. But in significance, he was crowned with glory and honor. Putting everything under his feet. He was crowned with glory and honor. He was given dominion. But it says we do not see man walking in that. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't see man living in the dominion he was created for. But we do see Jesus. Who was made a little lower than the angels, but who is now crowned with glory and honor. He was made a little lower than the angels, but he was crowned with glory and honor. He came for the purpose of dying. He came to die to atone for our sins and to set us free from the power of sin, the effect of sin. He came to die to set us free from the power of Satan. He came to die and rise again to set us free from the fear of death. But in that process of coming to die for us, in that road, He came and He took on human nature. He lived in a human body. And he walked out a process. He pioneered the process of salvation. Verse 10, Hebrews chapter 2. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sinless Son of God, but He's taken on a human nature, and that human nature is now going through a process of perfection. It's a process of salvation. It's a process of faith being perfected and character being proven. It's a process. So I want you to understand that salvation, the salvation that Jesus came proclaiming through his life was not a salvation just simply that provides a forgiveness of sins and a guarantee of heaven. It's a salvation that brings you into a kingdom under the active power and the effective will of God. So that your life is lived in the realm of God being active and His will being effective in your life in order to change you. So that in every circumstance of your life, every situation that you're facing, every opposition that might be in front of you, every challenge that is there, anything that's bringing you pain or anguish, anything that you have to walk through, in that process, God is active and His will is effective. The question is, will you believe the Gospel? 
Not will you believe the gospel when you're in church and you're singing a song, but when you're in life and it's chaos. Will you believe the gospel? Will you believe that you have now come into a kingdom and everything within your life has come under the active power and effective will of God? Will you believe that it is moving towards a purpose and will you begin to seek how God is active and what God wants to do? Will you, instead of yielding to the cry of your physical body and your feelings that says, just get me out of this. Let's just fix this. Let's just alleviate the pain of this. Let's solve it myself. Will you instead seek the active power of God and the effective will of God that's working in your situation? Will you believe the gospel so that God can bring you through the process of perfecting your faith and proving your character? Because your destination is to rule with Christ in his kingdom. So the message says, the issue is faith. Will you believe? In other words, are you prepared to respond in all the situations of your life, at least to learn to respond? It's a process. You're not going to start there right away. But are you prepared to accept this as reality? And live under the conviction that this is the reality of the salvation that God's working out in your life. Are you getting this picture? So let me put it in terms of the song that you were singing. Wonderful. You remember the chaos. You remember the random pieces of information. Do you remember the puzzle? Well... I do puzzles all the time. Me and Betty Ann, we sit and we do puzzles. When we do puzzles, we have a box. My wife even goes out and photocopies and enlarges the picture on the box so we can both have a picture and we can both see what this picture is supposed to look like. We like the ones that are simple, that go together easy. (laughs) We don't like the ones that are really difficult. And our eyesight is not what it used to be. So distinguishing colors and everything, it just doesn't work. But you see this embodied word? It's the picture on the front of your puzzle. How he lived, what he accomplished, and what he taught is the picture of what God's working in your life. And those circumstances going on in your life is just not random things that are happening. Let's just get them over with and done with. No. Each one of those are a part of the puzzle that God is putting together that you cannot put together. Your place is to believe and let His hand come upon that part of your life. Know that little part in you crying holy? Holy? Let His hand come on that situation 
Because that situation is attached to a part of your heart. Let his hand lay hold of it. Let him take and move you. And let him fit that into the picture he's forming, which is the nature and character of Christ that's being formed in you. This requires faith. Whenever you see somebody looking forward to something they're hoping for, and they continue to hope for it, and they begin to live towards that hope, underlying that the way that they're living, faith is operating. Whenever you see a person engaged with unseen reality, and you see that person living with conviction that there's something at work here that cannot be seen, faith is operating. And for you to allow God to do this in your life, you need to have faith that this Word embodied in Christ is what God is doing. And this hope of ruling and reigning with Him is where you're going. And you need to, with patience and perseverance, allow God to do this work in your life through ordinary circumstances. Ordinary situations. Coincidences. Divine appointments. Whenever I say divine appointments, I always think it's going to be an angel that shows up. But sometimes divine appointments are irritating people. But God is active and His will is effective in that moment. I'm always thinking that miracles, when miracles happen, it's just, whoo! But sometimes miracles are actually taking place in very difficult situations. And in those situations, faith sees God at work. And faith is holding on to God is doing something here amazing. God is transforming me and making me. Because these situations that we're facing are temporary. But what He's working in us through the situation is eternal. So we take our eyes off of this situation and just simply trying to get out of it and we start looking into it for what God's trying to work through it. So we're told in Hebrews that Israel failed to do that. And so the wilderness journey that was to equip them to grow in faith actually hardened them in unbelief. But we're not going to do that. We're going to have a different mindset. We're going to start looking in each one of those circumstances with a faith that if God has called us out, He will bring us in. And we want to see what God is doing. God, show me who you are and what you're up to in this situation and how it is that I am to respond to you to allow you to take that situation and put another piece of the puzzle together. You with me? So then in Hebrews chapter 12... It says, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's how it starts off. Therefore, being surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
And it's referring to the whole list of people in Hebrews 11. And their stories, you can take each one of them and then you can go back into their stories. That's not my purpose, that's your job. To go back into their stories. But each one of you, each one of them, are to testify to you regarding how faith operates and what faith looks like in a person who has heard from God, who is responding to God, who lives life seeing God and seeking God and is longing for the reward of living in the nearness of God. That was, that was big what I just said. That was big. What does that look like? And why do we need that? Because we have a word. We have a word that's greater than any word that they were given. And we have a hope that is greater than anything that they were hoping for. And in fact, anything regarding their life because they were just a piece of a bigger puzzle. And that's something that we don't understand either. Because we look at our lives and and we see how ordinary and how mundane and how many just natural issues that we're having to face. We got extended family and close family and we got circumstances. We're just living our ordinary lives and yet we're called to look for God, active, see His will effect, and walk with Him in it. And we go, these are just ordinary, not understanding that our lives are not just random pieces of information. They are a part of a bigger plan. And you have no idea how that person that you just did an act of kindness to fits in the bigger picture of what God's doing. You have no idea of the influence of your life. I actually have a picture of heaven where you are brought to stand with Jesus on a platform because we've got all eternity to do this. And he allows you to see through his eyes all of the people your life affected when you thought your life was just ordinary. You just thought your life was ordinary. You just thought you were giving a little something into an offering plate. You thought your prayer was almost ineffective, but you prayed anyways. You stayed faithful in praying. You were faithful because you you felt this is where God's called me to and God's called me to serve, but it doesn't seem to be amounting to anything. Oh, you of little faith. Your life is a part of a bigger puzzle. And these people, these people had no idea. They had no idea that the choices that they were making were going to fit into God's eternal plan of redemption for the whole world. They had no idea, no idea what it was that you would have access to today. And here's the thing, their obedience of faith, unless we get this and we begin to walk in it, their obedience of faith is not completed. Their obedience of faith is waiting for a generation who will actually take this word 
and begin to enter into it and begin to live kingdom. Begin to live the kingdom. What's that going to look like? That's going to look like a people whose hearts say, I want to follow. I want the way Jesus lived his life to be relevant to the way that I live my life. I want to be mentored in living life the way he lived it. I want his teaching to be front and center, and I want his teaching to be a guiding force within my life. I want to understand how he walked interactive with heaven so that not only will God's power be active and his will effective in my life, but it will be through my life touching others. I want to walk in that. And until we see the church as a body who rises up unified in love because they are living together the way Christ taught us to love one another, to forgive one another, to be patient with one another, to be kind to one another, to be more interested, at least as interested in the growth of somebody else and what somebody else is called to do as I am self-interested. Living this life out, understanding the teachings of how to live in kingdom. Jesus taught about living in kingdom. We were having a discussion with the, other, the, the men the other day, just a simple question, and we lost the rest of the lesson. Okay, because the question was, are you really convinced that the way Jesus lived his life was the fullest, most complete, the most, the most joy-filled and, and life-filling life that could be lived? Would you actually look to him as a model for how to live your life? Are you actually convinced that if you were to live the way that he lived, your life would be fulfilling, joyful, triumphant? Are you actually convinced? Are you actually convinced? And if you're not, if you're not convinced and not following him, what model are you following? What is the picture on the front of your box? And if you have a different picture on the front of your box, then you're responsible to put it together because it's not God's picture for your life. Is that making any sense to you? So then, some of the discussion was, how do you make the way he lived actually relevant to your life? Great question. It's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. How do we actually do that? What would that actually look like? Do the way we do church, does it actually encourage us and empower us to even consider that question and experiment with it? How do we live kingdom? All right, I better stop. So today I just want to talk for a few minutes about Abraham. If you hear a little passion in my voice, it's because there is something at work in me that's ready to challenge everything in my life. And I, I believe that we're in a day that there are people attending churches all over that have a cry for the reality of the kingdom. They just don't know how it relates to church. They, they just don't know how, to, they want to move in kingdom. But they don't know how is this relevant, 
how is kingdom living relevant to my life and what does it have anything to do with church? And it's the right questions to be asking. That doesn't mean we throw out church. It means we, we need to learn how, how this connects. So here we have Abraham. Now he probably looks like all the other people that I've drawn on this board. But God, God said to Abraham, let's just read it here in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith Abraham, now we talked about Abel and I wish I could go, I wish I could go over these characters even more. Read, read them. Read them. And probably someday I'm going to repeat them anyway, so you know me. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. So let's just do that. Here's Abraham. He was called to go out to a place. A place. He went out not knowing where he was going. It was just a place. Interestingly enough, his father Terah was headed towards that place, but stopped in Ur and settled down there. He settled for Ur. But then God came and said to Abraham, I want you to go out to a place. But this place was going to be his inheritance. When you see a person who receives a promise that presents to them a hope, and you begin to see them respond to that and live their life with patience and perseverance, eyes fixed on that hope. Faith is operating. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive his inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. So this is now his land of promise. So first of all, he went. And then he lived. He stayed there. That's what he did. That's all he did. He went and he lived. He was promised that this land would be his as his inheritance. It would be the inheritance of his children. He didn't have children yet. So he went and he lived. That's what he did. He didn't go back. He went. He left his family. Let me actually read that from Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father. So, in going, he had to leave his family, his culture. He had to go out. He's going to live in a place. To the land I will show you. I'll show you. Just go. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham left his family, left his culture, he went, and he lived. Now, he actually didn't quite leave his family because he took Lot with him, but that wasn't a problem because God created the circumstance where there was family conflict. And Abraham gave Lot the choice of wherever it is that he wanted to live, 
because Abraham was allowing God to work this out. But in that process, God finally separated, even though Abraham's faith somehow wasn't enough to leave Lot behind, God separated him from Lot. Understand, conflict in your circumstance, God's active. If you walk it out looking for God at work and what God wants to do in your life and you submit to that in the way that pleases him, God will work all this stuff out. He lived. After that, God told him, look. So he looked at the parameter of his land and God said, now walk. So Abraham walked through the land, leaving his footprints all on the land that he was going to own. That would be his inheritance. But he lived in that land as his inheritance, even though he was a foreigner in that land and had no place. Do you understand that wherever you're walking is your inheritance? Do you understand that you are going to be given dominion here? So that when you're walking to your job or you're walking downtown or wherever you're going, this is your inheritance. Learn how to take dominion. And you take the dominion not by asserting your will, but learning to see God active, understanding what He's working in His will, and begin to learn to rule and reign with Him. This is huge and this is big, and we're just going to take time to keep unpackaging it. But that's what He did. He went and He lived. Now, it says... I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Now I want to flip over back to Hebrews chapter 11. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob who were also heirs of the same promise. He was looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Why did he say that? Like, why is that even included in there? And I just want to stop and explain that just for a second. If you go back to Genesis chapter 11, the start of Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to have the story of the Tower of Babel. Story of the Tower of Babel. This is the culture. This is the mindset of the culture. Come, let us join together. Let us unite. Because we're going to build a place for ourselves. We're going to accomplish an achievement together for ourselves. We're going to build a tower. And we're going to make a name for ourselves. Abraham was looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder was God. Because God had said to him back in Genesis, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. So the culture, we will make a place for ourselves. We will join together and accomplish an achievement. We'll defy heaven. 
and we will make a name for ourselves. Abraham went out to a place which God would give him as his inheritance. He went out to live there, to stay there, to abide there, to walk through it, to set it within his sights and his vision, and to stay there until he had given birth to Isaac, who he would then give him the promise as his inheritance. That's all he did. He lived in the land. Lived in the land. He wasn't out to make a name for himself, a place for himself, or achieve anything, strive to work anything. That's faith. Faith receives the message what God has spoken. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out from my culture and I'm going to learn to live in Christ. I'm going to learn to live in the kingdom of God. I'm going to understand how Jesus Christ lived in the kingdom. How he saw God active, saw God's will at work, and he partnered with what God was doing. You see, Jesus didn't make a name for himself, but God has given him a name that's above every other name. There's lots of people in Christendom that are seeking to make a name for themselves, to join together to achieve something great, make a place for themselves. The kingdom of God is about a people who are humbly walking in obedience to him, learning to live in Christ, to follow Christ, to keep Christ's teachings in front of them. I was, heard, I was told the other day about a man who simply made a commitment that in every hour he would take so many minutes to turn himself, just turn his heart towards God, to focus his mind on Christ, and just make himself available to whatever it was that God would show him or speak to him. And he began to practice that until that became the pattern within his life. He was really a nobody, and I'd love to get you his, his, his name for you. I'd have to go back. I wasn't planning to even bring him up. But he had a global effect. He had a global effect, not because he tried to achieve anything, make a name for himself, anything great, but just simply because he chose to live in that realm. You have no idea you have absolutely no idea what the effect of your life can be if you will learn to stop being anxious. Just stop being anxious and seek first the kingdom of God and what it is to walk in a relationship of faith and trust. And this is what we're going to do. God is turning our hearts and minds around and completely reorientating ourselves which is what Jesus announced. Repent. Reorientate your entire life to a new reality. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and I'm going to show you, and I'm going to teach you how to live in it. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you. It is the Father's good pleasure to give to us the kingdom. Happy Father's Day.
May we, your children, be set free. Set us free, God, from all of the thinking that has kind of come in and entangled us in our desire to live for you. We've become entangled in things that are really the construction of men. And somehow our eyes have gotten taken off of Christ. Put them back on Christ. Open our hearts to Christ. Do this thing. Do this thing in us, God. Do this thing in us. For Jesus' sake. Amen.